Father, for your word, we're so thankful today. We believe that you're faithful to your promise. Lord, that you're at work in us. You're at work through us. We ask tonight that our minds would be enlightened, the eyes of our understanding would be opened and enlightened to see and know all that you've done for us and all that you are to us. Thank you for revelation of truth that makes us free. Each one now, we thank you for speaking to their hearts, directing their lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God is good. Good presence of the Lord in the house. And I hope you come expecting to get something from the Word now. And uh, remember the Proverbs says it's life to those who find it and health to all their all of our flesh and so we started a series a few weeks ago called the rules of grace and uh, anybody ready for some more of that did i uh, have i have i killed any sacred cows yet <laughs> hopefully i have <laughs> like a fr- friend of mine used to say well, i'm not here to rock your boat i'm here here to turn the thing over <laughs> and uh, and so we we want our we want our thing we want things that are not in accordance with god's word to be you know, unloaded here, <laughs> and uh, and so we can uh, begin to think like Him, begin to walk like Him, begin to walk in the best that God has to offer. And so we've been talking about the rules of grace, and how many know we're we're contrasting the rules of the law, the or the the law of Moses versus the New Testament. Since Jesus came, everything is different. It really is. And, and too many Christians today are relating to God uh, the same way they did under the Old Testament, the Old Covenant laws. And, and that's, uh, that, that's um, to be regretted because it really robs people of the freedom that they're supposed to have in Christ. Okay, This is an amazing life that we've been, been given the opportunity to live. And I want us to take full, full advantage of it, not be li- limited or be uh, hindered. I mean, if you can't identify changes in your life, since the time you were born again until now. Uh, and I mean changes other than the fact that you have confidence of eternity. You have assurance of, sal- of uh, you know, heaven when you die. If there are not other changes, um, you're not doing it right. <laughs> Could be you're still operating by the old rules. And that's why we've got to have a renewing of the mind so we start functioning in this uh, amazing grace, right? And uh, praise God. Ephesians chapter 2, let's read verse 8. says, For by grace you have been saved... Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So how are we saved? The Bible says by grace through faith we are saved. So the grace of God, or the divine ability of God working in us to cause us to be able to do what we can't do on our own, His unmerited favor, uh, His freely given um, gift of salvation, it comes to us that way and that way alone. It's free. You can't do anything to earn it, work for it. You can't improve on it. You can't add anything to it. It's just a gift from God. Amen? And you take the whole package. You just open it up. It's a gift. There it is. And there's a lot in that. Amen. Now look at our other scripture here, Colossians 2. Colossians 2 and verse 6. Colossians 2, 6 says, As you therefore have received Christ, Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. And so we read from Ephesians how we did receive Christ. We received Him by simply believing in His ability, His grace, His favor toward us. I believed, so it's by grace through faith. I believed in His power toward me. That got me saved. The Scripture here tells me that I'm supposed to live the same way. The way I walk in Christ is the same way I received Him. I believe in His unmerited 
favor, grace, power, ability toward my life. Okay? Now, that might sound easy without any uh, further explanation, but too many times, like I've said in the past few weeks, people get saved by grace through faith and immediately revert to performance. Immediately revert back to, I've got to do something for God, and it's not in the proper context of saying that. It's in more of uh, a law mentality, a legalistic uh, type of approach to God. And I'm telling you, there is something way, way better for us today. Amen? Some of the ways that we can understand what it's really like to live in the grace of God as opposed to just get saved and then kind of revert back and relate to God through those Old Testament ways. Um, I'm trying to, you know, trying to think of different ways to, uh, to give us a, a visual, a picture of what this is really like. Because it's, um, it's something when we get it, we just start acting different. We stop, we're no longer beating ourselves up. We're no longer feeling that we're not good enough. We're no longer feeling like, God's happy with us some days, ticked off at us other days. All that really goes out the window when you adopt New Testament uh, thinking, okay? And uh, it's some of it, it's kind of like um, uh, in an airplane. How many know when you get in an airplane, the goal is to get to your destination probably as quick as possible. Otherwise, you would have drove, right? You're taking a horse or whatever. Uh, you want to get there as quick as possible. Uh, sometimes you'll hear... Um, the pilot talk about how we've got a tailwind and so we're going to arrive early. Anybody ever hear, hear that kind of language? Uh, when flying an airplane, if you've got wind going behind you, it's amazing how much faster that airplane will travel over the ground. It's called, in, in airplane language, it's called airspeed versus ground speed. It really doesn't matter how, fl- how fast you're flying through the air. It matters how fast you're traveling over the ground. You get a small plane with a real stiff headwind, you can have cars passing you. <laughs> Literally, you can be flying over a freeway with a real strong wind, and you're, uh, you know, you might be looking, it says you're flying 130, and, uh, and you go, I can't be going 130, <laughs> because cars can be going fast, because your ground speed is, is, is that way. The grace of God is like having a tailwind. It's like... But, but when, when someone operates with the works of the law and they're operating with that mentality, it's like having a headwind. I mean, your engine is full blast. You are working it, man. You're, all you're doing is burning fuel, and you're what? but you're not getting very far. Everybody else is passing you. And you think, I need to go faster. <laughs> well, yeah, but it's like you're going against the flow of God's help. Okay, and that's what we want to avoid uh, I want to go with him. I want to be going with his help. I want to get that tailwind. There's actually something in aeronautics called the region of reverse command. Uh, reverse command. And uh, basically, what that has to do with it's possible in an airplane to get to a to get into a situation where you add more power, and the more power you add, the slower you go. And it has to do with drag and, and, and so forth. But how many know that's a bummer? <laughs> it really actually can get airplanes in trouble <laughs> if they get into that situation because you're slowing down, slowing down, slowing down. You need to speed up. Otherwise, you know, you go down. <laughs> uh, and so you give it more power, more power. And the more power you get, uh, the slower you actually go. 
All right. I think Christianity sometimes is working that way for people. Not because it's inherently got problems with it, but they're dealing with it the wrong way, and they've gotten a situation where they're working harder and harder and harder and going slower and slower and slower and slower. And we've got to get out of that situation. Amen. I, you know, I was thinking about some of, the th- some of the natural things that people struggle with today, and I don't know if you've ever been on a diet. <laughs> In reality, most of us, I don't know, unless you're just all together, got something going on where you're just whatever, but uh, most of us have most of us have probably dieted at some point, whether it was real formal or, or you know, you came up with your own deal. Uh, but have you ever noticed, I mean, this is my opinion, that most diets work. Most diets work very well if you follow them. But people have the biggest struggle, what? Following them, <laughs> you know. I mean, they're, they're all a summation of, you know, you're going to cut the fat or cut the carbs or, or combine foods a different way or you're going to do one of these different things and it's eventually going to help you out. And it actually, it, it does work. If people will do that, they will gain success. But the trouble we often have is in continuing or in uh, doing what it says to do for the period of time and then, of course, adapting a lifestyle change. You know what I believe the difference is? And this is just one area of life. It's called grace. When we operate in the grace of God, it's like there's something in us that causes us to succeed at things. Because God is never, He's never leading us into failure. And I believe that often we lean upon our own works and performance. Things do get tough, man. They're, they're, They're a challenge. We have a body that's, you know, needs glorified, <laughs> will be one day. We live in a fallen world. We live in temptation alley, you know. It's just all around us. What I need is God's ability that enables me to do things, and it goes beyond what I can do on my own. And I really believe that's the end result of this message is, and I say the end result, there's so many things that, that contribute to that. But the grace of God is not just meant to get us in heaven. The grace of God was meant to change us here and now, to put us into a living, dynamic relationship with Him where our sins are washed away, but now we're empowered by Him. We're empowered to live, where we literally go through life with a tailwind. And it's like everyone else, they're burning gas, their engine's screaming, and here we are on half power, just enjoying <laughs> you know you're passing people up and what is going on with you it's almost like God likes you more than me seems like it huh <laughs> I'd think so too but I know in the word he loves everybody he's no respecter of persons but yeah it sure seems like it so what are you going to do enjoy keep thanking him Amen. All that does is make me say, thank you, Lord. You're so good to me. Praise God. But this is the, this is the ability of God. It's the grace of God. And so uh, let, let's look over at Deuteronomy 28 here today. Deuteronomy 28. And let, let's again show you some more contrast of how things used to work and how they work today. Because I want to make sure that I am not approaching the Lord how things used to work. Okay, I want to get in. I want to get up to date. 
You know, if you're still wearing those clothes from the 70s, it's time to update. What? They're back. Okay, the 90s. <laughs> you're still wearing those 90s duds. It's time to update. People are looking at you funny, and they ought to be. Okay, now when it comes to the kingdom of God, more important, if we're still operating in Old Testament approach to God, as if I've never been born again, as if I'm just an old sinner saved by grace, which is the way much of the body of Christ relates to God, I am messing up this system. He does not want me to think of myself as a sinner who's just forgiven. He wants me to think of myself as a new creation in Christ. Literally forgiven, changed by His power. I just like saying that. I could say that in every sermon. I could insert it in there. Oh, it's just good. And it's so necessary. Praise God. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 1. It says, now this is the old way, remember. It says, now it shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments which I command you today that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth and all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you what what's the next word because you obey the voice of the Lord your God and then he lists all kinds of blessings why will those blessings come because you obey and only if you obey, then you'll be blessed. Someone says that doesn't sound too bad. Well, let's go down to verse 15. Verse 15. Okay. It says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully. What's that next word? All His commandments. Don't forget that one, by the way. Don't just say, oh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. No, it didn't say do pretty good. It said obey them all. Anybody ever done that? (laughs) Now I lost my place. Uh, To observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that these, what, curses will come on you and overtake you. And then he lists lots of curses, which we're not going to read today. Okay? Notice the way that God related to people or how they could experience his blessing. If you do it all right, you get all the blessings. But if you don't do it all right, you get the curses. Amen. How many know most people relate to God that way today? They think, if I do everything right, God will bless me. And if I blow it, I'm in trouble. Do you know the New Testament doesn't teach that? Let's go over to Ephesians. So the blessing of the Old Testament was basically based upon the performance of the people. If you perform right, you do get blessed. If you don't, you get cursed. But you know the New Testament doesn't teach that. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will bless you 
if you do everything right, who will block those curses if you act perfect? No, let's, let's read again. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I want you to notice that language. Where does the blessing reside? In Christ. The blessing of God in the new covenant is not in me or in my obedience or performance of the commandments. The blessing is in Christ. Now look at Galatians 3. You're right there close. Just to give you multiple witnesses on this same principle. Uh, Galatians 3, just back up. Galatians 3.14. It says, in verse 13, of course, how Christ has redeemed us from the curse. It says, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. What's that next line? In Christ Jesus that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. How does the blessing of Abraham come upon us? It says it's in Christ Jesus. Not that the blessing of Abraham would come upon you if you toe the line. The blessing of Abraham will come upon you if you read your Bible for at least an hour a day. The blessing of God will come upon you if you pray X number of uh, minutes or hours every day. The blessing of God will come upon you if you give X number of dollars into the kingdom. The blessing of God will come upon you if you, whatever you want to say that we practice and participate in as Christians. There was no qualifier except that the blessing comes in Christ. See how that's a different, that's totally different language than the Old Testament. There's no, there's no ifs about this one. It's not, if you do this, then you'll, then you'll be blessed. No, if you are in Christ, you get the blessing. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of happy about this. Another one, you don't need to turn there, but Romans 15, 29, Paul said, but I know that when I come to you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. I want you to notice there's a connection, the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Inherent within the gospel is the blessing of God. His favor, His hand upon us to succeed and to, uh, and to be close with Him. It's inherently within the gospel, so I just need to receive the gospel and I receive the blessing of God. It's... Well, let me, let's go to another verse. Is this too many verses for you? Alright. 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We value the Bible value the word of God all right first Corinthians 15 and notice with me in verse 22 15 22 it says for as in Adam all die everybody say in Adam even so in Christ say in Christ all shall be made alive I want you to notice the two different uh, terms here People are either in Adam or they are in Christ. All right? If you're speaking naturally, naturally we're all in Adam as far as that goes, descendants. But uh, spiritually speaking, 
all people of the earth are either in Adam or they are in Christ. All right? The way that God relates to us now is either we are in Adam or we are in Christ. Notice, not those who act like Adam and those who act like Christ. Even though the acting like Christ is a reflection of those who are in Christ, that's not the language used. It's not whether I'm doing everything or not doing everything, if I'm behaving perfectly. No, that was established long time ago that mankind was not going to behave right. And again, like we said before, that's the reason the law of Moses was given. The Old Testament, the Ten Commandments, was given so that mankind would know that they fall short of the glory of God and they need a Savior. Now, I've received the Savior, so now I'm in Christ and everything's different. Now the blessing is inherent. It's kind of like if you want to go to the beach and there's a bus that is going to the beach, all you have to do is get on the bus and you will arrive at the beach. You don't have to sit back and say, how am I going to get to the beach? You don't have to pray real hard. You don't have to work real hard. How am I going to get to the beach? Just get on the bus and the bus will take you to the beach. Amen. But too many times we've gotten on the bus and we're freaking out on the bus. And we're talking to the bus driver. Would you please take me to the beach? I really need to go to the beach. I'd really like to the beach. I know the other people who've been to the beach. And uh, I'd really like to go to the beach. And he's just like, I'm going to take you to sit down. We are going to the beach. And every five minutes, they're getting up. Are we going to the beach? Could you please take me to the beach? What do I need to do? I mean, have I upset you in some way? Is there something else that needs to be done? Do you, do you need more money? No, no. The bus driver says your fare was paid before you ever got on here. Uh, and we're trying to pay him more. Would you like me to sweep the aisle? Would you take me to the beach if I sweep the bus out? Can I help you out in any other way? And, and what's the bus driver saying? This bus, you saw it on the reader sign on the outside, Beach. As long as you are on the bus, you will arrive at the beach. We need to find out where the bus is going. <laughs> and how many know when we come to Jesus, this is the language now that the Bible uses. We are now in Christ. As long as I'm in Him, I don't have to do anything to try to make this work. I don't have to try to add anything to what he did. Jesus has been raised from the dead. He has risen victorious over death, hell, and the grave. He is alive and triumphant. He said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. He said, I can go in his name. All I've got to do is figure out how to get in him. If I can get out of Adam and get into him, I'm laughing. Because in Him, everything's good. In Him, everything's right. Outside of Him, I'm in trouble. In Him, I'm laughing. Why? Because everything works here. This is the wind at my back. 
Okay? But here's the deal. A lot of us, we've come to Jesus. We've gotten saved. We are in Christ positionally. And it's not like we're going in and out, but we're going in and out right up here. Right up here. And that hinders us. We're stressing out in the back seat of the bus. We're freaking out. What's going to happen? Uh, we're just all nervous and how to, just losing it concerning our future. What's going to happen? How am I going to get there? Man, there's a hill up there. How are we going to get over that? Just stay in the bus. Just remind yourself that you are in Christ. And in Him, everything's okay. You'll never find that in Christ, you're in trouble. No. I don't have to work harder. I don't have to do anything else. I just need to know where I'm at. Let's go over to Galatians. Galatians chapter 3. And let's read verse 1 here. A lot of the whole book of Galatians is really about this very subject. Galatians 3 in verse 1, it says, Oh, foolish Galatians. My, my Bible now... My Bible puts an exclamation point there. Does your Bible? I have the New King James, and so I didn't probably read that correctly, but you can see what he probably, he probably said that with a little more. <clears throat> oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Someone says, so you're saying we don't need to obey? No, no, we need to obey the truth. People think obedience, all that, and when they ever think of the word obedience, it always goes back to Old Testament law and commands. No, no, no. Obedience is a New Testament word. What should we obey? How about this? The truth. I am obeying Him by staying on the bus. I am obeying Him by being mindful of who I am in Christ, not who I am outside of Him. Do you see how this is a big problem? Man, Christians are so often reminded again and again and again of who they are outside of Christ. They're told again and again and again how unworthy, how, how unholy, how whatever it is, they are. And that's not true. Not in Christ it's not. And I don't know about you. I am in Him. I'm going to be in Him. I will forever be in Him. So why would I bother thinking about and meditating on all that I'm not? Why would I allow myself to meditate on failures and uh, shortcomings and what I can't do? Because in Him, everything's good. I should focus my attention and my meditation on the finished work of what Jesus did for me and not on any area that I fall short. Amen. Okay. Uh, he said, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Clearly portrayed, evidently, you know, described and ex explained what he did. At ver let's see. Well, let's go on reading. Verse 2, this only I would learn from you. In other words, we don't really say that too much. This only would I learn from you. <laughs> He's like saying, come on, tell me. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? They knew they'd received the Spirit. They'd had an experience with God. They were baptized in the Spirit. He said, did you get that by, by obeying the commandments? Or did you get that by believing in Him obeying the commandments? Okay. Verse 3, are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Notice that language. 
begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? This is the same mentality that exists today in many believers' lives. We began in the Spirit. We were changed. We were born again. Thank you, Lord. But then we step out of that place in the flesh and start trying to perform for the Lord again. Start trying to just live by the works of the law. You know, the, the Living Bible says this way in verse 1. It says, uh, what magician has hypnotized you and cast an evil spell on you? So he said, what in the world are you guys thinking of? You've been hypnotized? Why are you acting this way? This is not only dumb, it's not right. Why would you want to go back under that? Why would you want to revert? You've been offered grace. Stay there. The New English Bible says it this way, you stupid Galatians. You must have, you must have been bewitched. That's an interesting translation. In other words, Paul was not playing Mr. Nice Guy here. When he wrote this letter, uh, sometimes people think churches should always just be complimentary. Not when people are operating with law mentality. Sometimes you just got to say, that is stupid. That, I mean, that's what he did by, listen, by inspiration of God. Would God ever use the word stupid? He did. Because he's saying, ah, I have done so much for you. I've given you such a potential to live in my grace and ability. What are you thinking? Are you hypnotized? Someone cast a spell on you? You bewitched? What are you thinking going back trying to live under the law, under these, this, these legalistic performance measures to try to live for me? Amen. Now, this is easy to hear sometimes in this context, and we think, yeah, that makes sense. But there's, you know, if they haven't already, questions will arise in your mind about, are you saying we don't have to obey the commandments? If those questions haven't been risen yet, then I'll keep going until they are. <laughs> and I might not give you the answer. <laughs> Focus now. That's where the mind reverts. We think people are going to just live in sin if you tell them this. They're going to live any old way they want. They're not going to, empowered by the grace of God, doesn't want to make me sin. want to make me say thank you. It really does. Amen. And so uh, it's interesting how we, and I say we in a real general sense, the church all around the world, sometimes how we treat people. We become very compassionate. Uh, and rightly so, when people are lost and someone's bound up in drugs or, you know, wrong living or alcohol abuse and, and just sin, lying, cheating, stealing, and we know, hey, Jesus died for you. He gave his life for you. We're compassionate. We're merciful. We, we will say to him very quickly, uh, the Lord loves you. The Lord forgives you. The Lord accepts you. Uh, receive Jesus. He'll wash you clean. We're just so accepting of people until they get saved. And the, mo the moment they get saved, you find one slight infraction and we're ready to crucify them. Oh, well, they should know better now. <laughs> and we no longer relate to people by the grace of God. We, we, we're nicer to the, the sinner on the street than we are to the brand new Christian who doesn't actually have everything perfect in their life yet. And so we're merciful to those on the outside and judgmental towards those on the inside. And I'm telling you, 
that's Old Testament mentality. We immediately were helping people and we're shaping their mentality that God is not pleased with you until you act perfect. God is not pleased with you until you quit all those bad habits. He's not happy with you until you start serving and start acting, learn Christian lingo. You, you know, you do all these things, all these things. And I'm telling you, a person never gets there. And so they continue on through their life feeling like they're not quite good enough. They can never do enough for God because that's, you know, again, oftentimes put on them by people, uh, uh, by the rest of the body of Christ. Because we see, I thought you got saved and there you are. You blew it again. What are you doing? You, I mean, I thought you got saved. I guess it wasn't real. Because our theology messes us up. We think if someone gets drunk and dies, they're going to hell. Hmm. The Bible does not teach that. And some people freak now. They think, oh, you're saying we can get drunk. I'm saying let's stop relating to God based on what we do or we don't do. I'm either in Christ or I'm not. And the person that comes into Christ, their sins are washed away. They're a brand new creation. And just because they don't have perfect actions, or let me say their actions are far from perfect, doesn't change the fact that Jesus washed them and cleansed them. Amen. Amen. We do want to change our activity, don't we? But it's a different mentality. It's a different way. Amen. I don't need to get saved again. Can't. I need to have my mind renewed. I need to grow. You know, some people won't come to church because they think, I got this habit, I got this problem, you know, I got these issues, and I do all this stuff, and I feel bad about it. Well, listen. You know, if you're not here, you're not hearing me, but <laughs> if you're here and you ever feel that way, I can't go. I mean, my life's not good enough. I'm not, I don't live like everyone, everyone else. Well, first of all, hopefully we're not all wearing our, our struggles on our sleeves every time we go out. You can't look, we can't look around at each other and, and say, well, they probably don't ever struggle with anything. Well, you don't know that. Hmm. Secondly, here's the deal. The Lord's not kicking you under the curb. Because you've got an area of your life that's not right, or five or ten areas. Have you put your trust in Him to be the Savior of your life, to forgive you and wash you clean? He knows from a mental standpoint, from an action standpoint, you are a work in progress. But He also knows from an in Christ standpoint, you are a finished work. You're completed, and nothing else can be added to or taken away from your position in Christ. Just stay on the bus, man. Everything's working out here pretty well. You know, the, the Bible talks about the works of the law in the New Testament, but also speaks of works of faith. How many know they can look the same, but come from a totally different place? You've got a law mentality person. They're working hard. They're trying to get something from God. They're trying to earn their place, make God be happy with them. And you've got a person who's living in grace who is just doing it because they're thankful. They're saying, my life has changed, and I want to serve somebody else. I want to live for God. I want to do things. And you look on the outside, and you can't tell the difference. Okay? That's why we got to change things on the inside, and it changes our motivation. 
and and and, uh, and there's a stark difference. One's, one is the fruit of a person's relationship with God. The other is them trying to obtain a relationship with God. Amen. In closing here tonight, let me just share, share, share a few scriptures with you that I won't have you turn to. Uh, but this language is, a, is of great value. Like we've been using this term, in Christ. Other words are in Him or through him or by him you'll find that language in the new testament a great deal especially some in the book of acts but then especially when you get into romans on you'll find that language scattered all over the place that's because in this day in our covenant that is the focus the focus is not what you are not what you haven't done what you don't know no the focus is on what Jesus did, what who He is, what He has accomplished, and how that I'm in Him. I'm surrounded by, covered by, God relates to me in Him, not according to my performance. That's why whenever you see that language, get happy. If ever you read those words, remind yourself, that's me. If it says, in whom you have, or by Him you can or through him this this immediately say that's me not out of pride because that's me in him out of him I don't got that in him and that's where I am that's where I'll always be that's who I am and you'll find uh, dozens of, of scriptures that deal with that very statement because this again is the focus New Testament believers are supposed to be not mindful of sin, but mindful of Him. Mindful of the finished work of the cross. And all those scriptures basically point back to something that Jesus did on the cross through His resurrection on our behalf. Okay, And if He did it, and He did, and He paid a severe penalty to take my place and to provide these things, I don't want to be unmindful of any of them. I want to live with the knowledge of what He's done for me. And just a few examples. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us, that's, you see all that language, in Him, for us, wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. So what is Jesus for me? He's wisdom. So what am I in Him? I'm a smart guy. I have, I have the wisdom of God in Christ. I have right standing with God. That means there's not anything between me and Him. We're just right. We're, I mean, I'm right with God. I'm not trying to get right with Him. I'm not going to get right with God. Amen. I, I'm in Christ, so everything goes with me and the driver. Okay? And I have sanctification. That means I've been set apart. That's not, by, that's not something I did. It's something He did. I'm set apart in Him. I'm redeemed. 2 Corinthians 2.14 says, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph. Where? In Christ. So what do I do in Christ? I win. I am a winner. I am a champion. I triumph. Where? In Him. Stay on the bus. On the bus, you win. Get outside of the bus, you get run over. <laughs> on the bus, you're good. Ephesians 2.13 says, But now in Christ Jesus, 
you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. How many know I'm not far from God? Someone said, it seems like God's just so far away. He's not. He's not. If you're in Christ, you've been brought near. How many know Scripture says in another place in Ephesians 2 that we've been seated together in heavenly places with Christ? Seated where? Together. Jesus sat down at the right hand of the Father. So positionally and spiritually, that's where I'm at. I'm not far from Him. I am right next to Him. The Lord and I, we are like this. Amen. The devil's over here. But me and the Lord, we're tight. We're tight. Say, what have you sinned? He never told me I lose my seat if I blow it. And I know that's a hard thought for people. I mean, it doesn't matter if I sin. Sin is going to eat your lunch. You know what I'm saying? Sin will bring destruction and death into your life. It's not a good thing. But and so I don't want it. I'm supposed to resist it. The Bible tells me to resist the devil. But never did the Lord say, if I blow it, I'm out. If I blow it, boom, you're out of here. You, you climb your way back up here when you're good and ready. No, I'm in Christ. I don't get kicked off the bus for, for uh, blowing it. Uh, let's see. Here's another one, Philemon 6. It says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing. Every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. What am I, what, what's my focus in the New Testament? I am to be mindful of and acknowledge not everything I'm not outside of Christ. Everything I am in Christ. I should be reminded, if I read the New Testament, and if you're a Bible reader, I encourage you to be a Bible reader. That's why you spend a lot of time in the New Testament. You'll be reminded of this over and over and over. You'll be reminded over and over again what Jesus has done in you, what He has accomplished for you, what He has done on your behalf, and who you are today in Him. Second Corinthians 1.20 says, For all the promises of God in Him are yes, and in Him amen to the glory of God through us. What do I have in Him? Everything God promised. Some said, sometimes God says yes, sometimes He says no, and sometimes He says maybe so. No, He doesn't. In Him... I get a yes answer to every one of his, every one of his promises. Yeah. Amen. People are screaming outside the bus. I don't know what they're getting, but I'm inside. <laughs> the driver, I know he and I are close. <laughs> and whatever he's promised, he's already told me before I even ask, the answer is yes. 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 Every time. That's, the, that's Bible now. That's not religion talking. Religion will tell you, well, you never know what God's going to do. The Bible tells you he'll say yes every time in Christ. And then one more, Ephesians 3.12. It says, in whom, whom is Jesus, we have, access, we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. So said, I'm a real timid person and I'm real shy. Not in him, you're not. In him, you're bold. In him, you are a confident person. And you come before God not feeling inferior, not feeling beat down, not feeling like there's something wrong. No, in Christ, I come before God, and I'm, I feel clean, confident. I know He loves me. I know there's nothing in the way because, again, I'm in Christ. Amen. And that's the position I hold. In Him, you are. In Him, you have. In Him, you can do. <laughs> in Him, you find your life. In Him is everything. Amen.
And that's why one of the, if the, one of or the biggest difference between the way they related to God under the, that 2,000 year period of the law and the way we relate to Him now, the, uh, the biggest difference is they were not in Christ and I am. And that change changes everything. It changes everything. And to be mindful of this every single day, oh, it, 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 it changes everything. All of a sudden, I feel the wind. Whew. Starting to go a little bit faster here. <laughs> Let's reduce power. Let's cruise a little bit here. I'm going just as fast. Now we're picking up speed. Amen. God's moving in my life. Oh, man, this is nice. I'm enjoying this. Praise God. I'm going to start going to church because I want to now. Instead of, I feel like a lousy person if I don't. Amen. <laughs> Thank God. I tell you what, He wants to relate to us this way. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had a friend or someone that you wanted to be kind to and be nice to and, and be relationship with, but they just had such a low opinion of themselves, it hindered you from ever becoming close to them. They never, believed, they never trusted you. If you gave them a compliment, they thought, Ah, they're just saying that. They don't really mean it. They're just trying to be nice, but it's not really true. When a person feels that way, it hinders their relationships. It hinders our relationship with God if we don't fully embrace who we are in Christ. And literally, it can transform our thinking to where we start relating to Him on a whole new level. And I'm telling you what, we really enjoy Him and He enjoys us. And you know, he, he never wanted there to be that problem between us. Amen. Oh, God is so good. Amen. All right, let's pray tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're so thankful. Thankful for your goodness. Thankful for your grace. Thankful for the glory of God, Lord, that surrounds each one in this place. Lord, I just believe that even now you're wrapping your arms around us, revealing your love, revealing your favor revealing all that Jesus has done to make us right with you. Lord, we're so, again, so thankful. We do purpose in our hearts to acknowledge you in all of our ways, to acknowledge every good thing that is in us in Christ. We acknowledge it. We make mention of it. We praise you for it. Lord, I thank you that it transforms our prayer lives and in every way that we live our lives here on the earth. What a good God you are.